One of the things that we believe is so important as a church is that we regularly have rhythms where we rehearse and remember the gospel, right? It can be tempting sometimes to think uh, that the gospel is a one-time event where we come to faith in Jesus and we follow him. And what we believe is that it's actually a daily thing where we are commanded, and we see this in Scripture, where we are called to remember and to reflect on what we have been saved from and what we have been saved to in Christ. And so today we're going to move through the main points of the gospel, and so we're going to take, take that in four stages. So we're going to first begin talking about the fall and our, our brokenness and our need for God, and then we're going to look at our redemption and what Jesus has done on the cross to save us, to bring us near by faith. We're going to look at how then we are called to mission and how God equips us and enables us by the Spirit to be his hands and feet in the world and in our communities. And then lastly, uh, we're going to look at how we have a future hope that we anticipate, that we look forward to, that we long for, and that we call one another to remember as we move forward in whatever it is God has called us to. And so let me pray for us, and then we're actually going to have Monty come up here in just a second and set us up. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the good news of what Jesus has done. I think in Philippians 2, and I think Alan's going to share about this in a little bit, but I think in Philippians 2 where it talks about how you came down from heaven, how you counted equality with God not something to be grasped or held onto, but you emptied yourself. You took the form of a man, a servant, and you came and you dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. That is such good news, and we need this good news every day. And so we want to rehearse what you have done. We want to remember it and reflect on it and chew on it and sit in it so that we, as a corporate body, so that we might then be sent out, trained up to every day this week, remember and reflect on what you have done and how our identity in you is is our truest identity. That is the truest identity definition of who we are. We are sons and daughters if we have placed our faith in Christ. And so we thank you for this time together. I pray that you would meet us here as we sing and as we reflect and as we worship. We give you all the glory. Amen. And so the first section that we're going to focus on today is how we were broken, how we were lost in sin, and yet how God came down and he meets us in that lostness. And so I'm going to invite Monty to come up and to share for us. fall of man, sin, that which separates us from an intimate relationship with God. That's what caused David to write Psalm 51. When the prophet Nathan came to him and to confront him about his adultery with Bathsheba, David was broken and had a contrite heart before the Lord, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will treat, teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. 
O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise that. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will your delight, then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Many people think that people are basically good and there must be some egregious act committed for that person to be labeled sinful and deserving of punishment or separation. Many people think that God is basically understanding and loving to the point that everyone will be forgiven. Matthew eleven six, Jesus says the following, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What's so offensive about Jesus? Why would anyone be offended by him? Could it be the thought that I would need a savior to redeem me? Me? The prophet Isaiah said that he, the Messiah, would be a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling. Do you get offended at the thought that you're a sinner in need of a savior? Do you believe that basically being basically good is that which qualifies for not being labeled a sinner? When you and I see ourselves rightly before God, we then become broken and contrite, realizing the reality of what our sin is. Seeing that we can seeing that we can see the beauty and the value of redemption. But where are we to get this redemption? The Apostle Paul even declared that he doesn't do what he wants to do, and he does that which he doesn't want to do. Then he wondered, who could save such a wretched man? That's in Acts 7.24. What are we to do? So we want you to take the next minute or two to do whatever you feel led as we sing this song. You can stand, you can sit. And we want you to go to the God who meets us in our brokenness.
Praise God for them. And God does not leave us, of course, as we just sang. He brings redemption near. So why don't you turn your uh, attention to the screens for a quick word from our Pastor Alan as he speaks to this redemption. To contribute to the service this morning as you guys rehearse the truths of the gospel through reading scripture together and also through song. Now, I know you just heard from Monty, whom I affectionately call Dad, who just read out of Psalm 51 as we think through the reality that each of us have sinful, dark hearts that are in need of redemption. And as I read Psalm 51, one of the things that is so apparent to me is the condition of David's heart. He has a broken and contrite heart. He knows that he has sinned before God, and he's longing for God's forgiveness and redemption. And when we think about receiving the love of God, the first step in that process is just admitting that you need his love, that we need his forgiveness, that we can't do this on our own. 
But the good news is that God does step towards us in love because he desires to be reconciled with us and to forgive us. I want to share with you two scriptures uh, for you to meditate on this morning. Uh, One's going to be out of Romans chapter 5 and the other Philippians 2. And let me just read these two scriptures for you. And I want you to look for in the text the action that God does when it comes to moving towards us in forgiveness and a desire to redeem us. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 6 through 11, says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we... While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we are also we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And look at Philippians 2. Again, look for the actions that God takes. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says... Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we learned in Psalm 51 that, yes, we have sinful hearts that need to be cleansed. We need a new heart. And that step one in receiving God's love is recognizing that, repenting from that, going to God with a broken and contrite heart like David did. But what we learn from Romans 5 and Philippians 2 is that at the very same time, God is stepping towards us. He's not waiting for us to impress him or beckon him to make him love us. But while we were even still sinning, Christ died for us. He stepped out of heaven For us, he humbled himself to the point of death, and he even gave us his righteous life and righteous acts. And so we stand before God, not just forgiven of our sin, but righteous in his sight. And my question for you this morning is this Have you received God's love? Have you recognized that he stepped toward you first? Do you live a faith? that is all about proving to God that you're worthy of his love? Or do you live a faith that is resting in his love? God has moved towards us in Christ to redeem us. And this morning, let's rejoice in that truth. I love you, Grace Hill family. Can't wait to see you next Sunday. Amen. That's good news. So we invite you now to, again, however you feel led, to respond to that good news, that redemption that has been brought near. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. We want to respond by singing that and celebrating what Jesus has done.
beautiful thing is that God doesn't just leave us there. He didn't just save us for the sake of saving us. He then moves us in mission, right? He changes our hearts. He gives us hearts of flesh that beat for others. He gives us compassion, and as we rest in him, as we abide in him, as John 15 says, we, we see this fruit being born out. And so Evan Snyder, if you turn your eyes to the screen again, is going to talk to us about this mission that God calls us to. Hey, Grace Hill. My name's Evan, one of the pastors at the church. Just grateful to have some time with you this morning. And uh, well, I would love to say that I, I, I missed you entirely, but that would just not be being true. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, uh, I'm on vacation with my family right now, and we're having a really good time. So uh, while we do miss being with you guys, it is, uh, it is really nice to be where we are at the beach, uh, one of our favorite places. So uh, miss you guys, kind of. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm really thankful to have just a few minutes with you guys to continue just to encourage you as you are rehearsing the gospel this morning. 
and your time of worship. And so uh, as Monty and Justin and Nick and Alan have been uh, encouraging you through the word and through song, uh, man, I, I just, I really sincerely hope that you find your, your soul being encouraged uh, as you rehearse the gospel in, 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 in its entirety this morning. And so Alan had shared a little bit ago about the, the implication of the gospel is that it redeems us, that it restores right relationship uh, with God, the one who made us, that we now have right relationship. Our sins have been forgiven through Jesus and, and we have right relationship. And, and through this restored relationship is the context upon which we realize that God has actually given us a mission together too. And so um, my, uh, my, my joy this morning would be to hopefully encourage you in the fullness of what the gospel means is it's given you right relationship as well as called you to a very specific mission. And not just you, but all of us together. This morning, as the local church, we are called to this same mission together. And I find deep encouragement in that reality. And so I want to share from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you have your Bible, feel free to kind of put your finger on that spot. And I'll just reference that here very shortly. But uh, real quick, uh, this is Luke, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which we saw and went through as a church already. And uh, that was like volume one, and Acts is like volume two for Luke. And so he's writing in volume one in Luke. He's basically talking about who this Jesus guy is, and he's come on, and he's, he's began this kingdom that he has inaugurated, that he has started, and the mission of the kingdom of God going forward. And then Acts volume two, right, is this um, Jesus is essentially kind of handing off the mission to the church. And so I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And this is where we see what our mission is as it relates to being made right with God. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Grace Hill, this is our mission today. 2,000 years later, this is the same mission that God has given his disciples who then take it to Jerusalem. And then you see the amazing works in the rest of Acts. You see so many things, 3,000 people coming to faith in Christ in one day. And, and the works that, uh, that transpire from that, the ripple effects that we are a byproduct of, this mission going forward that you and I are actually recipients of people over history and time, being faithful to the same mission that you and I are called to do today. And so, man, I just hope that this would be an encouragement to you that our job is to be, and this text even says it, is we're to be witnesses. This doesn't mean we're to be perfect uh, Bible scholars. It doesn't mean that. Some of us are called to do that, but we're all called to be witnesses. And what is a witness? It's someone who, who bears witness, bears testimony to, that's seen something, that's observed something, that's experienced something, and simply shares that with those around them. That is our mission, is to share what Jesus has done for you and for me with those around us. So three things, big picture, right? We are saved by God from our sin. We're restored in our relationship with God. The second thing is, is that we're given a mission now in that right relationship with God together as a family of God together. As the church gathered this morning, we have a mission together as saved people. And that mission is to testify of the way that others might have a restored, redeemed, right relationship with God through Jesus who's forgiven their sins by the shedding of his blood. And this mission, Grace, this is encouraging. It's done by us together. Yes, we have the individual call to go do that, but we are called to do the same thing together. And so this morning, my encouragement to you is that from Matthew chapter five, verses 14 and 16, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus is saying, you are a light on a hill. You are, you are, you are a city on a hill. You are a light for the world. And he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. Meaning, just like in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, testify to the world. Be witnesses of what I have done in you and for you, that the world might know who I am. And so this is the way the mission is accomplished. And this is my closing encouragement to you guys this morning. Is the way we go on mission is by showing the living proof in our own lives that we have, in fact, been redeemed that we have love for each other, that we would forgive each other, that we would show grace to not just those in the church, but those outside of it. That day by day, we, we, we treat people the way God has treated us with compassion and coming towards us. That we wouldn't revile in return when we are, when we are hurt and we are reviled, we wouldn't return that. 
That is radical testimony to the mission that God has given us, that there is a God who loves them and wants to forgive them. And that the, we are the living proof of that. We are the witnesses to him. So, Grace Hill, in closing, just be encouraged today. As you rehearse the good news of the gospel, that your own head and heart would come together and that affection would grow for what God has done for you and how much he loves you. And that that in turn would be the compelling force that would lead you into the mission that God has called you and me to do in our lives as you go out from the church this morning and as you go into your work week on Monday and Tuesday and the people that you are around, would you be a witness to the fact that there is a God who has made a way to have a right relationship with him again and to forgive our sins and to compassion us and to give us an inheritance that is so unbelievable. That's really good so I love you and miss you. Continue to rehearse this gospel. Sing loudly. Encourage those around you this morning. We have that mission. Let's get after it. Let's continue. Love you. See you soon. So Father, we pray that that we would be your witnesses. That we would even think now in this moment God, of the ways that you call us to reflect you and to be, to bear witness with neighbors, Lord, with coworkers, with family members, with people who are hard. And as we're about to sing, Lord, with this next song, that even in difficult seasons that we would have joy as we move forward in your mission. Inform our worship now in light of these truths, these things. Amen. Jesus, I'm a cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Let that be true. Perish every fun ambition. All I've sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition. God in him are still
back on that a minute. And what he's done in your life and what is coming. Let's praise him. And I want to read that, that last end of that verse one more time. And let's, let's close our eyes. Let's listen to this. Close your eyes. I just want to read this o- over us. Soon shall close your earthly mission. Soon. Life is a vapor. Some of us feel it more than others. Swift shall pass your pilgrim days. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. But listen to this. Hope will soon change to glad fruition, right? Your hope that you have now will bear fruit, eternal fruit. Faith will become sight. Your your prayers will turn into praise as you see him. And so Justin Winters is now going to come help us as we talk through our future hope that we have that I believe is the strongest catalyst in being faithful in our mission. So, Justin, why don't you come up? Hello. Good morning. If you guys don't mind, I'm actually going to sit. I'm pretty tall, and uh, I'm on the AV team here, so it helps with the lighting because of my height. So here's the thing. I, I, over the past couple weeks have been, I'm I'm a big YouTube guy, and I follow a lot of these Christian channels, and one of the things that has been, um, I guess, popular is this idea of deliverance and deliverance ministries, and this idea that Christians can be possessed by a demon, and it's interesting because I had been following this for quite a while, and then we got a letter in from Abby and Rachel, and I'm telling you this for two reasons. One is because I want you to know just the work that some of the folks and your brothers and sisters in Christ are doing here at Grace Hill. Um, Abby is pray with him, and I want you to pray for them, considering a ministry to help pastors in India um, with their understanding of the gospel, their doctrine, and making sure that they have sound doctrine. So I responded to this letter, um, so thankful for that. So please pray for Abby and Rachel as they consider that ministry. But I believe um, it really strikes at the heart of who God is, who Jesus is, because these false doctrines, they want to shake our faith. They want us to believe in a different God than what the Bible testifies who God is, that you would be secure in the work of the cross and the work that he's done for you, and not just in the hope that you have and the security that you have today, but the hope that we have in the future, that he's made a promise to us, and you can be secure in that. And so don't check my Twitter account because I, I just went off. I went on a rage. Um, but I want you all to, 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 to know that. And that's what this verse or this set of verses, this scripture actually, I believe, testifies to who Christ is, our security now, and our security and our future hope. So Revelations 21, 1 through 7, I'm going to read it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. 
The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, that's a, that, that's a, that's a dire warning at the end, right? But guess what? You don't have to worry about it because you're secure in what Christ has done for you as believers. So what we're going to focus on today is the encouragement, what it says about who Jesus is and who we are in Christ in the very first parts of this text, you as conquerors, the faithful. And so if we look at this, this section of scripture is very popular and rightfully so because of the beautiful image that we have of God wiping away our tears says he will wipe away all the tears, all of, all of our tears. And the prophet Isaiah also prophesied this moment as well. Isaiah said the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. But Isaiah also goes on to say he will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. He will remove it. Shame, guilt, pain, hurt. It will be removed from the earth. And so what that means, we won't have a memory of it. We won't have a recollection of it. It's going to die as well, along with the old. And so when we look at this, this text, typically we, we, we focus on the fact that God is making all things new, that mostly how we'll be made new, right? So we have conversations about our glorified bodies. We, uh, we, we try to figure out, well, what's our glorified body going to look like? And who are we going to see in heaven? And who made it there? And who didn't make it there? And, and we tend to think about, well, what the scripture says about us. But what I want us to focus on is what stood out to me is how this demonstrates God's desire for us throughout the whole of scripture. This whole idea of rehearsing the gospel from beginning to end because God said it is done. He's redeemed his people as he's promised. He's quenched our thirst from the spring of the water of life, given us his Holy Spirit, no payment required from us. From this presence with humanity in the garden, from the very beginning in Genesis, where he told the enemy, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel, Genesis 3.15. Fast forward to John 1.14, where the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled physically among us, to laying down his earthly life for us, to gifting us and sealing us with his Holy Spirit, physically leaving us temporarily, as we are on our mission, as Evan just told us, but what are we supposed to do? He's, he's physically left us, but we are to look forward to the day that we are re reunited with him. Our final destination, New Jerusalem. And there he will be with us, physically with us. God himself will be with us. And so he's showing us that as promised in scripture that he not only came to us, but he is coming for us. And his desire has always been to dwell with us physically. So Alan preached, and he just told us again how God comes towards us. He steps towards you in your struggles. Even while we were sinners, he came for us. The whole Bible testifies about a God who's constantly pursuing his children. He sent his son. He sent his spirit. He calls us into relationship with him. He delivers us. And one day, he will wipe away your tears. And when we see this new Jerusalem in text, in the text, what else do we see? It says it's coming down out of heaven. It's coming from God. When we talk about heaven, we always say we're going to go to heaven. But scripture tells us that God brings heaven to us. So we see a God through the whole of scripture that loves us so much He's consistently demonstrating that you are worth pursuing. A God who's consistently coming towards you, his greatest desire is to be present with you and for you to be present with him, even at the cost of his own life. So what truly is heaven? And I believe it's living in his physical presence. The city's great. The glorified bodies are great. Tori, my daughter, asked me, Daddy, are we going to have Chick-fil-A in heaven? And I say, well, baby, guess what? There's supposed to be a feast. But we're not going to focus on that, right? 
And I got to thinking, like, we, we tend even to think about weddings from the perspective of the bride, right? But have you ever stopped to think about how the groom feels in that moment on wedding day? The excitement that the groom feels? See, we're excited to be reunited, but he's, re he's excited too. The father delivers the bride to the son. And we will dwell together physically as a family. So for so long, we've been able to do this because of who he is and who we are apart from him. So we set forth a plan that we rehearse today that enables us to be with him in eternal and holy God. And so John later in the same book in Revelation goes on to say, I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord and the almighty and the lamb. There's no longer a need for temples because the city is holy and we are holy. The seal is complete. It's a promise that you, have, that you can have complete trust and faith in and be secure in because God told us it is done. So, pretty so what a glorious day it will be when we, God's people, are together. We're basking in his light as a family. We're able to feast with him, no remembrance of our pain, the sorrows of today, and we'll finally be resting in his salvation. Finally able to say what God through Isaiah said, let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So today you've got struggles. Today life is hard. Suffering will come. But this future hope should encourage you. So give your brother or sister in the Lord hope by giving them a taste of his presence through your love. Evan just encouraged us. The world would know us by how we love one another. It not only testifies to who he is, but it encourages us every day as we walk in this faith together. It's how we stay focused on this future hope. It's how we get through the hurt. It's how we get through the pain. It's how we get through the sorrows that we're faced with in this dying world, but it will be made new because we have this hope. We have a reminder of it through each other. So thank you, God, for constantly pursuing us. Even while we were in our sin, let us trust you, wait for you, anxiously looking forward to being with you physically, present with you. We look forward to the Father delivering us to you, our loving shepherd and bridegroom. And Father, thank you for sending your Son for dying us for us on the cross, defeating death, redeeming and saving us unto eternal life and physical presence with you forever. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's respond to that now by standing and worshiping. Thank you, Justin.
sing praise together. Praise to the you now to take a minute, maybe to sit quietly where you're at, and to reflect on what God might be impressing upon your heart this morning as we've walked through where we were far from him, as we've looked at how he redeems, how he calls us to mission, and then how he gives us this, this future hope that we look forward to, that we anticipate. So the band's going to play quietly for just a few minutes. And we want you just to meet with God now. In your heart to cry out to him. To confess whatever it is that you might need to confess. To surrender what you need to surrender. To invite him in. Surrender to him. Let him in. Let him encourage you. Let him speak to you. Highlight the places in your heart.
one more time we can draw near not just to him but to one another father we thank you for the goodness of your gospel it is so richly seen through the life and the work the death the burial and the resurrection of christ and then as he commands us to to go and to make disciples because he will be with us forever to the end of the age. And so we cling to that, we hope in that, and may we remember that throughout our weeks. May we reflect and rehearse the gospel every day with our lives. Help us, Lord. We love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen.